3 verse. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. Talking about Jesus, the Bible says, Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all by the word of his I just want to put part of that verse, which tells us that Jesus is upholding all things. How? By the word of his power. Now this entire universe is upheld, it's sustained, it's regulated, it's kept in place. How? Not by one billion angels holding the stars. No, no, no. It's all kept in place by the power of His. Let me hear you. By the power of His. This entire universe is kept in place. Is in order. It's being regulated. It's being sustained by the power of the Word of God. Now let me ask you this question. If God's Word has the power to sustain this whole universe, keep everything in place and regulate this entire universe, then don't you think that God's word has the power to sustain your world? Amen? So many of us say, my world's going down. You know, I lost my job, my ship is sinking, it's going down fast. Listen, there is something that can sustain your life. There is something that can regulate, that can uphold your world. It's the word of God. Amen? Amen? If the word of God can hold this entire universe together and keep it all in place, then I can tell you, with all confidence, the word of God's got enough power to sustain your world, to keep your world in place. Amen? Amen. Hebrews 11 and verse 3 gives us a little bit more insight on the power of his word. Hebrews 11 verse 3 tells us, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So it tells you that the worlds were framed by the word of God. You know, everything came into place by the word of God. They were formed, they were fashioned, they were shaped. They were constructed by the word of God. The material that was used to create everything was an invisible material, which is the word of God. Amen? So if the word of God had the power to create everything in this world, then the word of God has power to form, shape, construct things in your life. Amen? You say, this does not exist in my life. Sure, it doesn't exist, but the Word of God has the power to bring it into existence. Amen? The Word of God has the power to form, shape, construct your life. The Word of God has the power to sustain, regulate, uphold your life. Amen? But the key here is this. We must have the Word of God operating, operating in our life. It must be at work in our life. To do that, you need to put the word of God into your hearts. Read, meditate in the word of God. Amen? Every time you go to church, or when you go to any meeting, make sure you take your Bible with you. Amen? All those Bibles, right here. All right, you got to join, all right. Every time, I mean, in your home, make sure your Bible is something that you use every day. Or many times a week, open the word. It has to be in your in you in you if it's going to work in you. And also, the word of God's got to be coming out of your mouth. We must learn to speak the word. And when you speak the word into your life, that word goes into operation in your life. It begins to work in you. It begins to form. It begins to construct. It begins to shape. It begins to create. So that even before your future gets to you. It's been already shaped and fashioned by the word of God. Amen. 
Many times I stand up in my, my home and during my time of prayer, I say this, I begin to speak, I begin to say in the name of Jesus, I bring everything in my present and everything in my future into subjection to the word of God. Amen? Because the natural is in subjection to the spiritual. The spiritual material that supersedes everything in the natural is the word of God. So I say, I bring everything into alignment to speak the word into my present and into my future. Because the word of God is able to sustain, regulate, and uphold my present. And the word of God is able to form, shape, fashion, and create my future. Amen. You believe it? Say amen. amen. Let's stand up to our feet. And let's hold our Bibles high up in the air. Let's declare God's word. Let's declare what God has said concerning us. Into our present, into our future. Say this out loud with me. Say because you believe it. This is God's word. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I can become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I'm blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing to many people. I receive His word. I believe his word. And I live by his word. Christ is my master. And to him, I am an absolute surrender. In Jesus' name. Amen. Shake hands with a few people. You may be seated. From time to time, I, I like to take a few moments in our Sunday morning services to just renew and refresh the vision, the direction of our church. Oh, this is being reminded before I take you off. All right, as, as I'm talking, please go ahead and let's receive the morning signs and offerings. Please go ahead and give to the Lord as God has blessed you, enabled you, and prospered you. The answers will wait on you, and I'll just continue to talk. You pray and you so. Amen. <laughs> Uh, so from time to time, I just like to do, usually around every six months, I like us to go back and reflect on the vision, the direction of our church. So I'm going to take a few moments this morning, probably 25 minutes or so to talk about it, and then we'll get into the Word of God uh, this morning. So it's going to be a little long, a little lengthy, just so the neighbor passes in your seatbelt. Right? Now let's don't, take, uh, don't get off your seat and we'll relax. So I'm going to take some time this morning. You know, every Sunday morning, during the announcements time, we have somebody come and say, at all people's church, our vision is to be salt and light in the city of Bangalore, a voice to the nation of India, and to the nations. I want you to know we're doing it on purpose. Amen? So Sunday after Sunday, you come and you hear this thing, over and over again, so that when people wake up in the middle of the night and say, hey, which church you go to? You say, I go to all people's church, and the vision of all people's church is to be salt and light. It just comes out of you. Amen? Amen. So we're doing that on purpose, but sometimes, uh, every, about, about every six months, this like take a little bit of extended time to talk about where we are as a church, where we're going, and how we're going to get there with all of us working together. That's what I'm going to do this morning. Now, our vision is to be salt and to be light in the city of Bangalore. Salt permeates, light penetrates. Amen? Salt permeates. So we as a church have to permeate the city, become part of a fabric of the city. Amen? If you didn't know, we are not a monastery. We are not a nunnery. We are here to permeate the city, meaning become part of the systems in the city, become part of the educational system, become part of the business world, become part of the sports world, become part of the arts, the drama, whatever that we find in this world, we got to permeate. And the only way you can permeate is by being there. Amen. So we are salt. We have to permeate, become part of the fabric of our city. To then influence and change. We are light. Light penetrates. Light doesn't ask for permission to come into your home. 
Amen? Light is forceful. You draw open the curtains and light comes in. Light doesn't stand at the window and say, can I come in? No, light's forceful. It penetrates the darkness. And so we as a church are forceful against the works of darkness. We penetrate our city. Amen? And we are a voice to our nation. A voice, meaning we declare what the word of God is saying. We want to be a voice to our nation and to the nations. We want to raise the standards. We want to say what God is saying. We want to be a bearer of truth to the nation. This is our vision. Now, how do we work this out practically? Let's start with our city. Transforming our city. Our vision is to have five locations in the city of Bangalore. You heard it again. You're going to hear it again this morning and many more Sundays. But we are one church with many locations. Amen? Amen. One church with many locations. Today, what we have is the central church right in the heart of our city. On purpose, we are here in the city center to capture the heart and to shape the future of our city. We also have a church down in the south, our south location, the APC South. And in the days to come, we'll be planting other churches in the north, in the east, and in the west. So we're going to have five locations. And our dream is that each one of these five locations will grow to many thousands. Everybody say thousands. Our goal is to have 15,000 people in each location. Amen. amen. You either say amen or you say oh me. Sometimes you say, you know, oh, but wouldn't I get lost in a church with 50,000 people? Just, you know, I want you to understand, we're going to give you a foretaste of heaven. <laughs> because in heaven, it's very likely there are going to be a million people in front of you, million behind you, million to your right and a million to your left. And yet, you will be known as you are known. Amen. God's going to know you. You're going to, it's going to be a personal thing. And yet you're going to be with, in a sea. You know, great multitudes. Amen. So let's have a little foretaste of heaven. Here on earth. So that's our dream. That each of these churches is going to be many thousands of people. You say, why many thousands? Because there are about seven million people and growing in the city. And we, are, we don't want to be selfish with our Jesus. Amen? We want as many people as we can to reach as many people as we can. You know, from all these searches. And you can hear the same message and all these searches the same time. Anyway, so that's our one church, many locations. And what's going to happen is this. We're going to have pastoral teams in each of these churches. So right now we have the central and the south. In each of these churches, we're going to have pastoral teams. Teams of ministers who are really ministering to the church. So right down in the central church, we have our children's church pastor, we have a youth pastor, we member care, business welcome, all kinds of ministers are working together. And we're going to reproduce the same thing in each of these five locations. So we're going to have a children's church pastor, a youth pastor, member care, uh, visitors welcome, pastor, all these things in the south. And when we start this, no, we'll have the same thing, youth pastor, children's church pastor, Member campus, all these things will re be reproduced in each of these locations. We'll have pastoral teams in each of these churches. And yet, we will be one big ministry team. Amen? That's going to be a sign of wonder to our city. Amen? To have a band of about 20, 30 ministers, or maybe more, all working together and flowing together. Amen? That itself is going to be a sign and a wonder. Now, reaching out, each congregation, each location will be, you know, the next slide, please, will be reaching out or is responsible for reaching out in their area of, or their region of the city. We have to be an outward looking church, not an inward focused church. Amen? See, I realize that the problem with us as a church is that oh, because our desire is to disciple every believer, every person, we tend to become very inward looking. You know, how much of Hebrew and Greek you know, 
how much of revelation you have and all that stuff. All of it is wonderful, but all that is designed to make us outward looking. We've got to look out, not look in. We've got to be outward looking. So each location, each congregation will be reaching out to those areas. You know, at the central church, because we saw the central church was founded in 2001, that's the congregation here, 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 here. The south church was started about two, a little over two years after that, so that still needs more work, more development. The central church has been growing wonderfully. Uh, we've got lots of good people in place who are helping us uh, and carrying out the ministry and so on. But we need to do the same thing in the south. One of the big things that the south church is lacking is the outreach part. So what we are really in need of is a youth pastor for a south church will begin to reproduce what we are doing in the center out down in the south to reach out to all the young people in the southern part of our city. Now I understand that the culture can be different in different parts of our city. For example, in the south part, that the culture is slightly different. It's a little bit more conservative, uh, traditional type of people living there in the south. In the city center, you've got people more, you know, western. They all, but they're like, you know, the western westerners, except that they're living in Bangalore. <laughs> Speak American, American, look American, dress American, eat American. The only thing is, they even have American names. <laughs> the only thing is, they're in Bangalore. And I think it's American. I'm just kidding. You understand what I'm talking about. The culture is different in the heart of our city. Whereas when you go down south, Jennifer, Jennifer, Bunch Country, that area, the culture is slightly different. It's more traditional, more conservative. <coughs> Therefore, the approach we take may be slightly different. But the thing is, that church needs to reach out to the community. So we desperately need somebody in the south church who can head up our work there, uh, especially to reach out to the youth. We're doing a wonderful job in the center, our youth pastor, and all the others, the youth team, they want a wonderful job at the Harbor City, but we need to do the same thing in the South. Can you say amen? amen. And then you start the North, we've got to do that. The North is slightly different. You go to Yelanka, there you're on the border of a village, and the city just growing. It's totally different. It's, it's more of a village type setting. You cross Jakur and go to Yelanka, that's it. And so the approach we take that should be slightly different anyway. What kind of people are we looking for? We're looking for people who are like-minded. We're looking for people who have a good heart. Everybody say good heart. Good heart. Uh, we're talking about a spiritual heart, all right? Not people. Uh, people who have a calling. They see this as a calling, not as a job. Amen. When you're serving God, you see it as a calling. We're looking for people with godly character. Now, these things are so important, much more important than gifting and talent and ability. Because any person under the street has gifts and talents. But not everybody have a, has a good heart. Not everybody has a godly character. And these are of high, great, much greater importance than talent and ability. And that's what that's the kind of people we're looking for. Another important part of, our, of where we are going, what we're doing is the cell groups. You know, all we're going to have is five locations. We are going to have cell groups all across the city. We have about 25 plus cell leaders right now, and uh, we're training more cell leaders. Now, cell groups are absolutely important, absolutely vital to the life of the church for several reasons. Now, just to give you an understanding of cell for those who are important, every cell group has up to 12 people. Every cell group has a maximum of 12 people. There is a leader, of course, and then there are 12 other people. Uh, or the leader could be a husband-wife team, it could be a single young man, a single young lady. And there are 12 other people in the cell group whom they, they get together on a weekly basis, sometimes on a bi-weekly basis, for fellowship, just to enrich each other in the things of God. What happens in a cell group? There's a time of praise and worship, there's a time where uh, uh, you pray together and so on. But some very important things happen. One very important thing, I've instructed all our cell leaders to do this. That is to talk about the application of the Sunday morning messages. Amen? Amen? So, Sunday morning you come here, you hear the message. You go to the cell group, your cell leaders is, has been instructed to ask you this question. What have you done with the Sunday morning message? 
the life application of the Sunday morning message. Amen? Amen. No, because if you look at it, we, we believe as we keep hearing messages after me every Sunday, and nobody asks us, did you do anything with the message you heard? <coughs> nobody asks us. Amen? You sit in church and take our nice notes. What did you do with the message? I took all the notes. Did you apply any one of the ten points? Is the question. Did you do something? And that happens in the cell room. The cell is going to ask, what did you do with the message? How did you apply it? Did God speak to you? So it's going to hold you accountable to listen carefully on Sunday morning and not fall asleep. Amen? Amen. Because when you go to the cell group, your cell is going to ask you, what did you do with the message? So cell groups are important. Another important thing about cell groups, you have life-to-life connections. You know, Iron sharpens iron. You need to be among people to be sharpened. And that happens in the cell group. When you meet with other 12 other people, 13 other people, you get together, you share life with each other, and you're able to sharpen each other in the things of God. Member care happens in the cell group. The primary means of care that will come to you is through your cell group. Somebody says, you know, pastor never came and visited me. Amen. Thank you very much. Special revelation. God bless. What do you that? Thank you so much. Pastor never came and visited me. You know, I I used to go to a church with a pastor. Used to visit every home every week. Welcome to all people's church. We don't do that here. Amen. We function a little differently. Your primary means of care will come to you through a cell group. So you come and tell me, Pastor, you've never visited me. My question to you is, are you part of a cell group? Because that's the way we function. It's a little different. But that's what we want. Your primary means of care will come to you through a cell group. Your cell leader, members of your cell group, will be the first ones to take care of you, to call you, to speak to you. So if you want to be cared for, you have to connect to a cell group. Don't misunderstand. I care. We have pastors here who care. You call, if you're in emergency, you call the church, you can be guaranteed that somebody will come to you that day. Amen. And they are doing an amazing work. People call you in the hospital, they call, they have an accident, they call, they are there that day. So we do care. But on a daily basis, your love and care, the TLC you need, will come to you through your Amen. Amen. Are we all clear on this? So get connected because that's where your care comes from. Get connected because discipleship will come to you through your cell. People are going to disciple in the cell. So that's about our impacting our city. Let's talk a little bit about our nation, transforming our nation. What we are doing as a church is that we are planting outreach churches in different parts of our nation. All right now. Second service here this morning. Uh, right now, we have five outreach churches. We have one in Berlakada, uh, that's uh, on the west coast, close to the west coast, Mangalore. Uh, Dr. Ranjit and Anjana are, are taking care of that work there. It's really a student community, it's a small work still, but our goal is to impact the student community. We have a church plant in Mumbai, Adam and Priscilla are there, they're ministering to. Uh, the, the people in the local language, they're targeting the working class of people. So it's not an English church, it's, it's a church in, in uh, Marathi, ministering to the, uh, the people there. We have a church plant in Assam, where Vijay is working. In fact, there are two congregations there. There's one in the town in Silvery, and there's one in the plantations, among uh, the plantation workers. And he's doing a wonderful work there. We have a church plant there. We have, uh, more recently, two people uh, have started work. We have but the Sheikh Salim was out of the work in Vishakhapatnam. In fact, the beginning of June is when he started. And he's doing wonderful work. There are about 40 people in the, in the work there. And, and, and God's really blessing at work. We have Brother Sunil, who, who just went down recently to Coimbatore. He's getting ready to start the work there. So we've got these plant church plants outside. In the month of July, that's this month, that Brother Dilip Nanda is going to be going to Orissa and starting the work there. Amen? And... Our approach to planting churches is this. We are not going to adopt churches. 
Amen. But all our churches will be plants, church plants established by those who have been sent out from here. Amen. You know, we tried adopting a church once and it was really, it was really good because there doesn't seem, sometimes it's very difficult to connect and, you know, the, the, the vision, the mindset is all different. So when we have people who've been raised up here, they know the vision, they know our standards, they know our culture, they know what we stand for, they have the same spirit, the same strength, and then they go out and they raise up a similar way. Now, our church plants are not Xerox copies of all people's church Bangalore. Amen? They're not clones. Each church plant has its own flavor because they're reaching a different kind of people. But we know we are flowing together in the same spirit. Now, on the other hand, what I'm personally trying to do is to have good relationship with other ministers of God, other pastors who need care. I do not go and tell them, become part of all people's church. No, I don't say that. But instead, on a personal level, based on kingdom relationship, I choose to give into their lives. Sometimes we give money into their lives. Sometimes we, uh, I, I call them regularly on the phone to speak to them, to encourage them as a passion bell them. Or I just work, I just, just call and encourage them. Why? Because I know I can be a blessing to them, but I don't ask them to become part of all people's church. Right? So these are two separate things. We have our own church plants going around the country, and at the same time, we're building kingdom relationships with other ministers of God, into whose lives we can give, we can bring strength, we can bless but we do not require them to be part of all people's church. They're all part of the same kingdom. Anyway. Amen. 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 So that's the way we are operating right now. And uh, our vision for the future is this. Outreach church as we go to the next slide. A time will come in the not too distant future. And this is what will happen. We will have outreach churches all across the country. Amen. Amen. There seems to be only one believer in the whole house. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. She's been amening me from <laughs> all the others are still trying to believe. Amen. Help us, God. <laughs> you know, and he said, Well, how are you going to raise up all these outreach churches? See, can you see your name there? You know, some of you, your names are there. So what do you mean? The pastor, I'm looking for emphasis. Pastor, I'm looking for Dell, for HP, IBM. Exactly. No, you're, you're, you're here with all people shared for about two years. You get taught, you get trained, you get the word of God into you, you're serving here. And a day comes when your boss calls you and says, uh, Little Joe, we're sending you off to XYZ place. And then you get shocked. God, I'm being sent to XYZ place. You come and tell me. You know, Pastor, I thought God had a call for me in all people's church, but now, you know, my company sending me off. Next one says, excellent. <laughs> when you go there, go start a work. Amen. 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 And you say, Pastor, but I am project manager. <laughs> I say, so what? Abraham was a farmer. He was called the father of faith. David was a shepherd. God made him a king and a psalmist. Daniel was a president of a nation. God made him a prophet. So how about you? You can be a project manager and also be a pastor. Are there any believers here? Say amen. 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 Are they wrong? Paul was a tent maker. He made tents many, many years of his life. He, made, he ran a tent-making business. But yet, he went to Corinth. He went to Ephesians. He went to Thessalonica. He had a mobile tent-making business. He took with him everywhere. Amen? Amen. And everywhere he went, he made tents and he planted churches. He did cease being an apostle just because he made tents. Can I hear an amen? amen. So all you need is a laptop. You can go to any place, plug it in, online, you connect to the rest of the world, you do your software development there, you get your salary paid, and please plant all people's shirts. <laughs> can I hear an amen? amen? See, all your names are there. I think it happened because God didn't want to scare you. <laughs>
in case you really saw your name there. <laughs> you won't come back next Sunday. So I think God has mercy on you. So okay. Anyway, your name is there somewhere. And maybe, you know, you're sent out someplace in India and, uh, and you go there. Well, you know, all the training you received while you were here, all the things that are important to your life, use it to start a work. We'll back you up. I'll come and preach with you. Amen? And we'll raise up a church somewhere in our nation. Now, for the rest of you, you might get sent out of the country. You know, your, your manager doesn't like you so much. They really want to get you far out from, from him. So he might send you others to transform in our roads. Very good there. And uh, our reason for the nations is this. And you would raise up churches all across the nations of Israel. How are we going to do it? The same way. You, know, you get sent to some part of the world. And you go there. All the stuff you've learned. All that's been put into you. You go there and you raise it. And God can raise up a life. Our Bible college is again a very important part of this whole vision. Because we have students from different parts of the nation with us. They study here with us, spend two years. They're part of the congregation, part of the church. They get taught and trained. And some of them may choose to uh, work with us and go out and raise up a church somewhere in the country. So the Bible College also becomes a very important part of this vision of impacting our nation and the nations. I want to quickly talk about all people's search, Bangalore. I want to quickly talk about our ministries, our cultural values and our purposes. Our ministries, just to give you an idea of all the kinds of ministries, who's waiting for the slide to come up? There are several different ministries that we have going on in, in this church, All People's Church, Bangalore. And we have our cell groups, we have the children's church, we have the youth ministry, we have Karnalaya, which is a home for uh, the little children. We have our Bible College and Ministry Training Center, we have a study center and library. We have the publications, which, which uh, we send publications out all across the country. We have the audio, video, CDs, and tapes, and stuff that's happening. We have a praise and worship, member care, business welcome, information desk, ushers, all kinds of different ministries that are happening in the church. Amen? And uh, the reason I'm mentioning this is sometimes people don't know what all is happening. And we want you to get connected. There's plenty of room for you to be involved at all people's church. Amen. Amen? Amen? Gosh, where are the others? <laughs> There's plenty of room for you to be involved in the church. We have all these ministries. You can fit somewhere. You can do something in the church. We've also got some new things going on. We've got the marriage enrichment, which we're going to have uh, uh, once, in, once in every four months. We work on the marriages. We've got something starting up, the equipping workplace ministers to equip our workplace, ministers, people in the workplace to go and make an impact on the workplace. And we'll have several other things going, coming on in, in, in the days to come as the Lord enables us. So, the point here is this, get involved. Amen? Everybody, you can get involved in some place in, in the ministry that we have here. There's something you can do. Don't wait to be asked. So that nobody asks me to come, well, just go find your place. Amen? Find your place. See where you fit and find your place. Have a servant heart. Be Christ-centered. Don't focus on self. And one thing we don't tolerate here is we don't tolerate self. Amen? Yeah. We're all Christ-centered. Everybody's Christ-centered. We're here to glorify Jesus. And uh, so we focus on Jesus. So have a servant heart. Be Christ-centered. Don't be self-centered. Get find your place and start serving. I want to talk a little bit about our culture, our values, and purposes. All right. I'm not sure what happened. Let's keep going. Our culture, five important things. Number one, we are casual, contemporary creative. You heard, you might have heard this before, but I'm going over this again. Our culture, we are casual. Amen? It means you don't have to wear a three-piece suit and two ties and four boots to come on a Sunday. Amen? If you have your clothes on, you're most welcome. That's enough. We are contemporary, meaning we are relevant. We want to be able to speak the language of today. That's why we don't preach in the old King James English, which nobody understands. Amen? Speak the language of today. Speak the language of the young people of today. 
so that they can understand the things of God. Truth is always transferable. Truth does not get adulterated when you change the language. Amen? The truth remains the truth, whether you say it in English, Hindi, Malayalam, Kannada, Kannada, it's the truth. It doesn't get adulterated. So when we speak in the language of today, if we speak the truth, it's relevant. People understand, they're able to connect. So we are contemporary, we want to connect to our day without compromising. And we are created, meaning present the same truth in new, fresh ways to the people. Great. Secondly, our culture is this, everyone is a minister. At all people's church, every believer is a minister. You are. To be a minister of God simply means you serve God. And at all people serve every person to minister. You're going to be a church member only for a little while, not that you are going to become a minister of God. We are word-based and spirit-led. There's a solid emphasis on the word of God. This is our guiding principle, the word of God. Everything we teach or preach is from the word of God. Amen? We don't give you pep talks, no self-help stuff. You know, you get that on the street. When you come here, you get the word of God. Amen? And uh, we are spirit-led. The spirit of God leads us. We are spiritual yet practical. Amen? We are spiritual and yet practical. You know, I heard this report one day. One lady came to our church one Sunday morning. I don't even remember what I was preaching about. But then she, when somebody called her, she said this, you know, pastor was talking about practical things. Very worldly church. I'm not coming back. Now she expected some deep spiritual stuff. Yes, we believe in the spiritual deep things of God, but we also believe in making it very relevant, very practical. Sometimes people get offended by that. But hey, you've got to live life on earth before you get to heaven, remember? Amen? Amen? Amen. So we want to teach you how to live well here on earth. We're active, energetic, dynamic. Amen? That's part of our culture. Where everybody's working. Everybody's doing something. Amen? <laughs> our values. So that, those are five things. Our culture. And you'll find, out, find this on our website if you get there. Our values. What do we value? Let's quickly move forward. We value number one. Top on our list is integrity. Amen. Amen. Number one is integrity. We want people to be one hundred percent honest. No compromise on that. Integrity is number one in our values. You know, lies are not color-coded in the Bible. No white lie, black lie, blue lie, green lie. A lie is a lie. The truth is the truth. That's how we operate. Number two, excellence. See, if you can't put, give your best, then don't please, please don't put your hand to it. Amen. If you take up a responsibility in the church and uh, you say, I'm going to do this, and all people say, I'm going to do this. If you take up a responsibility, make sure you do it. Now, there's something called patience. So we'll be patient with you for a while. Oh, maybe now you're doing 52%. It's okay, I know his heart's really not in it. He's just, you know, 50% there. Be patient to see if that 50 becomes 60 and 70 and 80, and so we wait for eight months, nine months, ten months, and then after you know, we're still now. If now we're going back with 40, 30, 20, I'm gonna say, It's time to give that up to somebody else who can put 100% over there. Amen. If you're gonna put your hand to something at all people's church, make sure you give your best. It doesn't have to be better than somebody else, but it has to be your best. Your heart has to be in it 100%. Otherwise, please don't take up that responsibility. Let somebody else do who can give their 100%. Thirdly, we value relationships. Amen? Amen. You know, sometimes when people come to church Sunday morning, church service starts at 11 o'clock, 10.45. Wear the shirt on, pants on, put the mask on. Two hours you sit with a mask. We never get to meet the real person. How are you? I'm fine. The whole world is fine. Go outside the service. 
Get on your bike, get in the car, and take your mask off. The real person shows up. Excuse me, just hop down back. You said everything is fine. Ten minutes away from the, uh, away from the church service, the mask is off. Things are not fine. Amen. We want to know the person behind the mask. Amen. So, when you come to church, don't bring a mask with you. Leave it at home. Be yourself. We need life-to-life connections. We need relationships that are changes. We focus on unity and cohesiveness. We staying on the leading edge of what God is doing is important for us. We believe in opportunity for everyone. We believe in servanthood. These are important things, values in the church. Lastly, our purposes. What are our purposes? Our purpose, number one, is to glorify and exalt the name of Jesus. Amen. All people's church is not the work of a man or a denomination or an organization. It is the work of the spirit of the living God. Through his people. Amen. So don't focus in on your pastor. And I can tell you one thing. One day your pastor will not be here. Amen. Why? He's going to die. He's going to go home or whatever. He's going to get raptured or something. I mean, raptured we all go home together, but but <laughs> well, one day I'm not going to be here and if your focus is on me it's in the wrong place the Bible says looking unto Jesus you know what our job is as pastors is to slap your face every time your attention gets off Jesus that's all all we're trying to do is to make you focus on Jesus Focus on Jesus. You look at the world. Focus on Jesus. You look at your neighbor and say, focus on Jesus. That's our job. Amen? So never focus on your pastor. Never focus on a man or a woman of God. They're as frail as you are. Our focus must be on Jesus. And so as a church, our purpose is to exalt Jesus Christ. Very simple. That's why we're here, to exalt Jesus. Number two, we are here to make an impact. We don't want to exist. We want to impact. Amen? We want to make a difference in this world, in our city, in our nation. Number three, we are here to equip every believer. Every believer must be equipped and released to fulfill the call of God on their life. And lastly, all people's church is a family. Amen? I've, I've taken this time. I know it's a good portion of our Sunday morning service. But I, I like to do this you know, every so often so that we are all on the same page. There we are as a church. What is it that you're working towards? Where are we going? What is the call of God on our life as a church? Amen. If you choose to be part of this body, then you are part of this. Amen. We must all pull together in the same direction. Amen. See, in some many churches, what happens, many organizations, you have people going, pulling in 25 different directions. One group of people, they want to do this. Another group of people want to do that. Another group of people want to do that. happens in the end, the church goes nowhere. Amen. But when we all learn to pull together the same mission, we are going to go places. We are going to make a difference. So it's so important that you that you learn to flow with the call and the vision of the church. Put your hands together in the things we're putting together. Go with the vision of the church. We can make a difference. Amen. We're going to spend the next few moments just wrapping up our teaching series on fulfilling God's purpose. And it's going to be a long show, just, just tell the neighbor to speak up. This is the last message series on fulfilling God's purpose for your life. If you have this book, please open it. You're going to go to the last chapter. Don't worry, I won't keep you too long. I'm not like Paul. I spoke through the night. Chapter 6, finishing your course. What we've been studying in this whole series, if you don't have a copy, please lift your hand up or else we'll get you a copy of this publication. What we've been studying in this entire series of, of teaching on fulfilling God's purpose for your life is simply this, that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Amen? Amen. Tell the neighbors, stop dreaming. Get the purpose. 
God has a plan. He has a purpose for each person. When God created you, He created you with a plan, with a purpose in mind. God has places that He wants you to go. He has lives He wants you to touch. He's got things He wants you to do. He's got a people that He wants you to reach. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. We talked about how to discover the purpose of God. We talked about the fact that God prepares us for the purpose He has for us. And this morning as we conclude this teaching, I want to just talk to you about the importance of finishing your course. Finishing your course, it's not good enough to just begin your course. It's important to finish it. Amen? You know, all of you after teaching on like this, you know, going through a series on fulfilling God's purpose, you sit down and say, well, you know, wonderful. I want God's purpose. This is God's purpose. Hallelujah. You get a hold of it. You start your journey on it. You begin to go forward in the purpose of God for your life. And somewhere along the way, if you give up, it's not good. It's not good. You've got to run the race until you finish it. In Luke, the 14th chapter, I'm on page 50. Luke 14, 27 onward, Jesus said, Whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. You know, so Jesus is saying, you've got to count the cost when you begin your journey. So maybe you say, God's called me to be a pastor. God's called me to be this. God's called me to be that. Wonderful. Awesome. You found out God's purpose for your life. Before you begin your journey, sit down and count the cost. Just think about what's it going to take for you to become what God has called you to become. Amen. Don't rush blindly into it. For example, if you feel in your heart, God's called me to be a businessman. Three years from now, God's going to use me to start a business. Wonderful that you've discovered that. But now start preparing, counting the cost, learning what it takes to become a businessman. Amen? Just go around saying, oh, God's called me to business. I'm going to be a businessman. I'm going to be a businessman. Wonderful. Everybody says, hallelujah, hallelujah. The time comes when you start the business, you do everything upside down. It's closed in two months. You discovered your purpose, but you closed it down in two months. Why? Because you didn't count the cost. You didn't prepare yourself to finish your course. It's so important to understand that it's going to, it's going to, what it's going to involve to finish the course that God has set before us. What things can help us to successfully finish the course? Number one, planning. Everybody's planning. planning. No, for some Christians, planning is a very simple thing to do. Why? Because Jesus said in Matthew 6, he said, do not worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has enough worries for itself. So people say, well, Jesus said, you know, don't worry about tomorrow. Okay. Just what are you going to do next year? Oh, I haven't thought about tomorrow. <laughs> next year. So many Christians, many believers walk around without any plan for what they're going to do in their life. Why? Because Jesus said, don't worry about it. But listen, Jesus said, don't worry. He didn't say, don't plan. Planning and worrying, incidentally, are not the same thing. There are a lot of people sitting here who may be so worried about tomorrow, but they don't have no plan for tomorrow. <laughs> Amen? They're worried, but no plan. They're not the same thing. See, you can plan without Amen. You plan. Planning is determining a course of action in the future. You're saying, this is what I'm going to do. This is the things I'm planning. This is the thing. This is the way I'm going to live my life. Etc. 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 I'm planning, but you don't have to be worried about the plan. Amen. So Jesus said, "Don't worry." He didn't say, "Don't plan." In fact, the Bible teaches us to plan. Look at these scriptures. Proverbs 4.26, the Bible says, Ponder the path of your feet. What? Ponder. Meaning, think upon it. Think deeply on it. Ponder the path of your feet. Think about the way in which you're going. Don't 
just go where the road takes you. Because you'll come to an intersection that'll be five ways to go. Amen. Amen. You've got to ponder the way. Where, where am I going? Where what is the path I must take? You've got to ponder the path of your feet. Proverbs 6, 6 to 8, God says, listen, even if you fail your biology in school, at least do one thing. Go look at the ants. <laughs> Learn one life's lesson from the ants. Go to the ant, you sluggards. Consider her ways and be wise. Learn this life's lesson from the ant. Which having no captain overseer rule. If the ant doesn't have anybody to lead it, guide it, teach it what to do. And yet it has this wisdom. Her supply in the summer and gathers up in the harvest. Meaning, during summertime, when there's harvest, the ant goes and gathers its food. Why? Because it knows there's a time coming called winter. But it cannot do this. So it prepares in the summer for the what's that called? Planning. Amen? Amen? So God is saying, listen, at least look at the ant and learn one lesson from the ant. The ant teaches you to plan. Amen? Amen? Every time you stamp on that ant, learn the lesson. God is saying, plan. Think ahead. Proverbs 14, verse 8 and verse 15. The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way. He understands his way. Verse 15. The simple believes every word. But the prudent considers well his steps. The simple believes every word. You stop with you know, this happens so much here in our place. When you stop with the word con say, No, where is central? The person you ask, he may be new to Bangalore. No idea what central is, but he doesn't want to disappoint you. So he'll turn around 360 degrees and he says, there, go there. The simple believes every word and they go there. And they keep going, keep going. No central, nothing comes. I mean, you know, it happens when people don't want to say, oh, I don't know where it is. So they just guide you somewhere. Some general sense, go that side. And you go. And you discover later on that where they told you to go is not where you wanted to go. The simple just believes everything everybody says. Go there, they go there, go there. But the prudence considers well this time. And he thinks, where am I going? Where is this road taking me? Is it the right road? Is this the road that's going to take me in the, in the, to fulfill the purpose of God for my life? If this road is not taking me there, I'm not going this road. So you've got to be prudent. You have a choice. You can be simple or you can be prudent. You've got to choose to be prudent. Proverbs to verse 3, a prudent man foresees evil and hides himself. But the simple pass on and are punished. See, the prudent has foresight. Everybody say foresight. He looks ahead. He sees the dangers and he takes precautionary action. But the simple just goes on and then, ooh, happens. Oh, I didn't know this is going to happen. All you have to do is lift up your eyes. You would have seen, if you had some foresight, you could have seen these dangers coming up and you could have taken some precautionary action which would have preserved your life. Amen? So the Bible tells us very clearly, instructs us so many places, we must have foresight. We must look ahead. We must plan for the future. So I really want to encourage every person here. Now you want to fulfill the purpose of God, but have a plan for your life. You ask me. I can tell you. Things that I'm thinking about three years from now, five, ten years from now. I'm about this. Amen? I'm not just wandering through life and see what happens, happens. Oh, we all like that song. One day at a time. Sweet Jesus. Wonderful. Please live one day at a time, but please plan for your future. I'm not saying live your future now, I'm just saying plan for your future. Live one day at a time. But make sure you have a plan for your future. Amen? Amen. 
Sit down, write it down. Think about it. Pray over it. God, this is what I'm, I have sense I should do. This is a plan. These are the moves I must make. These are steps I must take. These are preparation I must do. Have a plan of where you're going. God tells us to do that. Now, you know, we plan it in accordance to what we know. Then we give it to God and say, God, this is the things I've been able, these are the things that I've been able to put together. And God, you are welcome to change it. Amen. Our plan, your plan, is not the 11th commandment. Set in stone. It's even God can't change. No. All our plans are subject to God. Say, God, this is the, I plan, this is the best of my ability, the knowledge I have, the information I have, the understanding I have, this is what I think I must do. But God, you're welcome to change. So be open for unexpected changes. Amen? Be open for heavenly interruptions and interference. It's good for us. Amen? Because God might step in and say, look, I need to adjust this a little bit. I need to take you around here, there, there. Fine, perfect. God, hallelujah, thank you. You're at work in my life. Because the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Be open for those unexpected things. A very important thing for us to understand is this. That the difference between planning according to the flesh and planning according to the spirit. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 15 to 17, Paul writes this. And in this confidence, I didn't come to you before that you might have a second benefit. To pass by way of you to Macedonia, to come again from Macedonia to you, and to be helped by to be helped by you on my way to Judea. Therefore, when I was planning this, did I do it lightly? Or the things I plan, do I plan according to the flesh? That with me there should be yes, yes, and no, no. So Paul is planning his travel itinerary, and he's saying, "I'm planning to go there, planning to go there," and he's saying, "Listen." things I plan, do I plan according to the flesh or according to the spirit? The answer is implicit. What is the answer? Let me try this side. What is the answer? I plan according to the spirit. I plan according to the spirit. So, you know, we can plan according to the flesh or we can plan according to the Spirit. You know, Jesus said in John 16, verse 13, the Holy Spirit will show you things to come. So one thing we Christians have an advantage of in our planning is this. We have heavenly forecast. Amen? I mean, the Holy Spirit can forecast or foretell, tell us in advance, this, these are the things you need to get ready for. Amen? Right now, in my spirit, I understand, I am, I am understanding things with the Holy Spirit is putting in my heart. Things I need to be ready for three years down the road, four years down the road. Things I need to get ready for. And those are things that are being put into my spirit. The same thing with you. You will listen to the Spirit of God. He will let you know ahead of time. You need to get ready for these changes in your life. And you can begin a plan according to the Spirit. Amen? Amen? So listen to the Spirit of God. He's here to help you plan. Amen? Amen? In your planning, take the Holy Spirit as your senior partner. Amen? Amen. Go into your conference room, lock door, meet with the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, you sit down. Alright, let's plan. Spirit of God, tell me what is the Father saying? Tell me what the Lord Jesus said concerning my life. He will tell you. You can plan by the Spirit. Amen. Now, then we have to have a balance here. Sometimes we Christians are, 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 are you know, we, we swing to one side, everything by the Spirit. But if you don't know, God's put something here for all of us. Amen. It's called our brain. And here's a revelation. The reason God gave us a brain is for us to use it. Very deep. Amen? <laughs> the reason God gave us a brain is for us to use it. So use your brain. So on the one hand, while the Holy Spirit is saying things to you, use your brain to exit the plan. Use your brain to put things together. I need to do this. I need to do this. I need to do this. If I'm going to get there, the Holy Spirit is telling me I should get the next three years. Use your brain. God will not be offended if you use what he has endowed you with. 
Amen? Just keep it sanctified. That's all. Just keep your brain sanctified and use it. God will be so happy. So use it. So we have to find the balance between the spiritual and the practical. You know, when I've made some comments here about using tools and techniques. Tools and techniques are, are wonderful. They're scientific, they're, you know, they're scientific, they're, they're experimental, they're proved. But then there's something that sees that, and it is the Spirit of God. So we must always keep the leading of the Spirit in above the, the tools and techniques and methods that we use. Amen? They're good, but they're not the absolute. The absolute is what God says. I remember a young man, so long, long time ago, he came to me, the first time he came to me, he said, you know, I need to be in this teaching, I'm a traveling minister, this, 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 this. the first time I met him, I said, listen, this is what you need to do. You need to establish a base in your place and minister out of there. I don't know, it probably didn't sit well with him. So he kept coming to meet with me. I said, you know, every time he came to me, he said, you know, I teach a traveling minister. I said, fine, you know, you do traveling but this is what you need to do. You need to establish a base and you need to, because when he came, the first time he met, I really saw in my spirit God's purpose for this man. I told him that. I didn't say, thus says the Lord. I just said, this is what you need to do. But months passed by. He was so insistent on doing this traveling thing. and was doing it for some time. And maybe, I think, maybe 10 months passed by. Then it dawned on him that he was not satisfied. He came and said, you know, I don't feel satisfied. I said, hey, God's brought you to a place where you can do what he really wants you to do. So he finally decided to start the work in his place. He started to work. I'm, I'm in touch with my phone. And he told me not too long ago, he said, you know, I'm so glad you told me this. Because today, I'm so happy. But I told this to him 10 months ago. Ten months ago, I said, he'd establish a base and pastor in church. But he was so insistent. I'll be traveling. That's what you want to do. I'm not stopping. But I know what the Lord said. Took ten months to come to this. But today he said, I'm so happy. My family is all together. Everything is in order. The work is being blessed. Lives are being touched. I'm getting a satisfaction doing this. How did we understand it? So the desire very simple. The Holy Spirit can reveal hidden potential. Amen? The Holy Spirit reveals hidden potential. By the Spirit, you know this is the work of God. This is what God's going to do. Speak by the Spirit. You will know the purpose of God. Amen? There are some comments of Spirit-inspired planning by Master Dave Hayford. You can read through when you have time. I just want to wrap this up here by just talking about running to the finish line. The second most important thing that you and I need to complete our course is this thing called endurance. Amen? You know, there are some mornings when I get up and I say, God, I wish I was not a pastor. I wish I could go to some church, just sit down and listen. Amen? But there is a stand up here and by your endurance, preach and teach in this word of God. And I don't feel any heavenly anointing, no special excitement, but it's just endurance to fulfill the purpose. And we need some people of endurance. People who can keep going even when the going gets tough. Endurance. Paul said, he wrote, sorry, Hebrews, not Hebrews. Hebrews 12 says, run with endurance. The race that is set before you. There are times you may not feel excited about what God has called you to do. There are times you may not feel too happy about what God's called you to do. But, you know, you just grit your teeth and do it. Because it's a responsibility. It's a stewardship of the gospel. It's a call out. And you cannot let your feelings stop you from doing what God's called you to do. You've got to have some endurance. Amen. Amen. You need endurance if you're going to finish your course. Things that will help you have endurance is to lay aside every weight. Things that are unnecessary burdens, you can't get rid of them. Lighten your load so you can run consistently. I want to close these words from the Apostle Paul, Acts 20, 22-24. Or in verse 24, he makes this amazing statement. He knows he's going to Jerusalem, he's going to face trouble. But he says, I do not count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy. He says, I don't count my life to myself. You know, there are some times when you've got to lay your life down in order to finish your course. Now lay your life down. Amen? You say, God, but all these other people are doing this, they're doing this. No, no, no. You want to finish your course? You lay the life back. Don't worry about the other person. 
There are times when you have to lay your life down. If you want to finish your race of joy in the ministry, which God has entrusted to you. Acts 21 calls us, I'm even ready to die to do this. Last and second Timothy 4, 6 to 8. All right, he says, I'm being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure is at hand. You know, life is all about this. You're like a little cup with all the gifts called grace that God has put in you. And you're just pouring it out into people. One day, the last drop will be poured out. And you'll be ready for your take off. Amen. He said, my departure is at hand. I poured out everything God's given me. My life has been poured out as a big offer. I poured it all out. I'm ready for my departure. My final words. I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Amen. I want to challenge us. We need to be people who will be finishers. Finish. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.